your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Ben Scooter set the first pitch to Anderson. Fastball ripped over the head of the shortstop into left field. Down the line to score. Schwellenbach, the freshman from Millard West, delivers. And Nebraska's on top, 7-6. to six. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are back with another night of sports. Only three hours of remarkable sports talk radio. <laughs> trying to think of an adjective. That's the first one that popped in my mind. We do have a heck of a show lined up tonight, including the head football coach. Scott Frost will be here for an entire hour during hour number two of Sports Only tonight. Uh, we do this usually after spring practice is over the spring game in the books and that night is tonight so get your comments questions ready for the head football coach so scott frost here in hour number two tonight uh, as we recap 2021 spring and that spring game from last saturday where over 36,000 folks made their way inside of memorial stadium to watch big red football so looking forward to catching up with the coach tonight in hour number two we're gonna talk some husker baseball here in the first hour ben's gonna sit down with pitching coach jeff christie last weekend was a tough weekend for particularly the bullpen not so bad for kate povich or chance roach but the bullpen was not very good last weekend we'll get the coach's thoughts as they get ready for a critical weekend of play Back at the pod in Piscataway, Nebraska flying back there tomorrow. They will play Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock against Indiana, come back Sunday morning at 10, play Indiana again, and then 45 minutes after that game ends, they'll take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and they'll play them Sunday afternoon and Monday morning, a 10 a.m. start for Rutgers and Nebraska on Monday morning. So two with Indiana, two with Rutgers. And this will be a challenge, particularly for a team that's coming off of three straight losses to Rutgers this past weekend. So we'll hear from the the pitching coach for the Big Red, Jeff Christie, coming up a little bit later on here in the hour. Hour number three, it's a new matchup in the faceoff. I have the trophy. Well, I don't have it physically, but I, I, I am at the top of the mountain, and Austin, who's very good at this game, uh, gets a crack at knocking me down a, a peg tonight. So we'll have some fun with the face-off. We'll also have our flicks picks coming your way in the third hour of the program as well. Ben, I'm going to start with baseball. And pretty surprising news, I thought, today out of the major leagues with the Angels just cutting loose, designating for assignment Albert Pujols. He is in the final year of that monster 10-year contract that he signed a decade ago and broke the hearts of a lot of Cardinal fans when he left St. Louis for the greener pastures of California. He he has been fine. He's put up incredible numbers, Hall of Fame-type numbers, but he's been with an organization that's barely been in the playoffs uh, I think they made one appearance since he's been in L.A. Uh, or Anaheim. And so it, for the team-wise, it was not a good move for him. For the pocketbook, probably so. I, I really wonder, Ben, if you if you pinned Albert down, would he, would he do it differently if he had to go back 10 years ago and maybe take less money from the Cardinals to stay in St. Louis, or is he happy with his decision? But nevertheless, a surprise today, just flat – let go by the angels here on may the may the 6th yeah to be honest with you i'm a little surprised he made it to the last year of that 10-year deal i mean he he's been leaking oil for a while and you know 
just hasn't been, you know, these contracts rarely work out as we're finding out. And, and, you know, for the angels to hold on to them this long and literally milking every ounce of production as they could get uh, from Albert Pujols, you know, the last few seasons um, was, was, I mean, you could tell you could, they wouldn't do that with everybody, I guess is my point there. They felt obligated to ride this thing out um, with LA um, I think the last full, I mean, he's played, he, he's the last full season, obviously 2019, he, he was able to stay relatively healthy, you know, for a lot of those years, you know, I'm talking like 2019 and, and, and further down than that. I'm pretty sure he only made one all-star game for the angels and he made like 10 with the Cardinals. So you know he's played ten years, almost ten years in Los Angeles, and was only an All Star one time. Um, had a decent year in 2019. Had 23 home runs, close to 100 RBIs, but just not close to the level that that they were expecting when they brought him over. Um, you know from St. Louis, and I think I think they were probably overall not completely disappointed. I mean, well, he wasn't a bust by any stretch, but no. he wasn't like he, again, won all-star season. So the 10-year, $240 million year that he signed at the time, our jaws all just hit the floor. And he's hitting under 200 this year. And, you know, they've, they're have they at the point now where they, they've got enough young, you know, Joe Adele, they've got enough young prospects in that system that they can bring up and, and have the type of production that Albert Pujols has. And the other thing about Albert Pujols, not only is he not hitting for average, but he doesn't bring anything really defensively. I know he played third base this week, but uh, the speed issue isn't really a factor anymore. They've got other guys that bring more of those five tools to the lineup than what he brings right now. So it makes a lot of sense to me. He's 41 years old, so you knew when he signed this deal, he was 31. You're like, man, if you just get if you just get a handful of good years out of him, you would take that. You're paying for what he was at 31, not what he would be at 41. And you're right, he had a really good year in in 19 before COVID hit, where he put up decent numbers. But yeah, they just have not had any team success since he's been out there, and. You just kind of and where St. Louis has right. The Cardinals have been good. The Cardinals have been a perennial playoff team year after year after year. Even though they left, it, it's a great lesson again in that so many of these mega contracts aren't worth it in the end, particularly when you give them to a guy that's thirty-one. I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to throw a guy like Patrick Mahomes in that because he's twenty-four. Whatever he going to make, that's fine. He's he's hasn't even hit his peak yet. But you felt with Pujols, you were at the the back edge of the peak for him. And you're right. Everybody's jaw dropped when he, when he signed that deal that you're like, are you kidding me? That's, that's what we're going to do here with this guy. Hall of Famer, right? There's no doubt. He's a Hall of Famer. We talked about how many career hits he has. Um, he's over 3000 career hits. He's got over, he's approaching 700 home runs. So he's a slam dunk Hall of Famer terrific player but it's just it's just it catches your eye when you see going across the ticker a guy like Albert Pujols getting let go in the beginning of a season we're not even in the middle of the year yet for this season so um what do you think do you think he would do it over if he if 10 if you go back 10 years you think he would re-sign with the Cardinals or do you think he's glad he probably did what he did I don't know. I mean, obviously, winning's important to everybody, right? I mean, you, you you'd love to be in there and 
and and win, be in the playoffs. But you know, I don't. <laughs> My guess is he's probably wondering what, always wondering what could have been when he sees teammates like Yachty still there and. You know Adam Wainwright, Chris Carpenter. I know they're done. You know he's done playing now, but there are a lot of longtime Cardinals that are still there, and I'm sure I'm sure a little bit of him is wondering what could have been. But he also got to play with the best player in baseball for a long time, Mike Trout. I know they haven't really, you know, done much. They had the one playoff appearance, you know, when uh, when they played against Kansas City and got swept. Yeah. But you know, I think you know I'm sure he would have loved to have been in more meaningful playoff games over the last ten years. Yeah, it's just, you know, the the fact that he was 31 when he signed that deal, that raised a ton of eyebrows. But uh, that that's the big news out of the big leagues today was Albert Pujols. One update on a couple of ho- former Husker basketball players. Um, it, the news dropped yesterday that Teddy Allen is, is landed at New Mexico State, so that's where he is. is uh, he entered that transfer portal oh, six weeks ago, well, seven weeks ago from Nebraska. Uh, so New Mexico State's where he is going, and today it came out that a call, a rope, is going to go to UNO. I think that's a, a great fit for a rope. I, I think that's a good spot for him. Um, I, I I think, you know, he grew up in Omaha. He's got a lot of fan base there. I think that'll be – that's a, a good – that one makes me happy, Ben, when I hear that. I'm like, okay, that's good, because I think a call was a really popular player on the team. I know Coach Hoiberg really liked him, and – uh, th- this is one of those stories that may end up being a really good one for, for him uh, with his time now is he'll be joining the Maverick program. Well, I know he has a lot of fans in this state, people that are pulling for him. So I do think that, you know, him being able to still play in his home state and, you know, his hometown and, you know, go represent the Mavericks and play and play a ton is something that he's probably looking forward to. So, I know I'll be following his career. A lot of Husker fans will be following his career, and I think it's a good move on his part. I think it's awesome that he's staying in the state, and hopefully he can go and play a bunch of minutes and play well. Yeah, so there's a couple of news. We Sometimes we just we gloss over guys that have been here that take off. Akal had some surgery done, and that's why he didn't play at all this season. But I just remember watching games this past year, and he, particularly home games, when he was in attendance, he'd be the first guy off the bench cheering the guys on and when there's a timeout out there slapping guys in the back great teammate and and coach Hoiberg again said nothing but positive things about a call uh in his time here at uh, Nebraska all right uh that's what we have here on the program tonight Jeff Christie pitching coach coming up here in a little bit I'm anxious to hear what his mood is Ben this is a this is a big weekend playing two of the upper half teams in the league and we're getting to the point where probably the baseball committee's taking more notice of how you're playing and you don't want to be leaking a bunch of oil coming down the stretch. Uh, this will be a big weekend. And obviously, as we, we talk all the time, it starts on the mound. So I'll be anxious to hear what the coach's mood's like with you here in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that we need to get to with him. Um, and I'll be interest, in, interested to hear what he has to say uh, on a lot of different fronts. But yeah, the big week and you hope that the, the bullpen can bounce back after uh, after a rocky um, weekend against Rutgers and and go lock it in, not going to be great conditions to to pitch in this weekend in Piscataway. It's going to be rainy for a lot of the weekend and not great temperatures. But hopefully they can go out and perform well and and try and uh, you know take some of this back from Rutgers that they just dished out this last week. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you were bringing a little bit of rain gear to to be with you for uh, this this weekend's games. 
Well, I'd be dumb not to. I mean, I think you absolutely have to prepare for it because it's going to be, uh, you know, if you're not prepared, it, it, those conditions can eat you alive. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be um, preparing for the worst, hoping for the best, and hopefully the rain does stay away some, somewhat. But, yeah, you better believe I'm packing some rain gear. Yeah. You and I were talking earlier today about it seems like a lot of the, the people that are doing projections for the NCAA tournament are liking the Big Ten more and more. They This past week, a couple of them that I saw had four Big Ten teams in, and, and Maryland was one of the first five teams out. So you're almost to that five. I, I, I think it's going to be four. I think you're almost pretty solid to say that right now. And and I feel good about where Nebraska is at four, but you got to win some games. You can't just – you can't relax on what you did in March and April. You've got to play decent baseball here in May and a uh, big bounce back this week. For, and I'm confident that they will. I think this is uh, uh, the makeup of these guys, the Hallmarks, the Chicks, the the Ackers that are such gritty, tough, hard-nosed players. I, I think they will respond to what, what took place last week. And I, I, I would be shocked if they don't put a better effort together when you see them and you and Nick see them on Saturday than what you guys viewed last Sunday at home. Yeah, I hope so. I was doing some work on Nebraska's offense today, and there's just a lot of guys that you're not used to seeing some of the stretches and recent trends um, that the, that they're on right now. And you, you got to think they're too good of hitters to have this continue for much longer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the weekend that – some of the slumps bust out. I remember one year we went up there and Ryan Bolt was just in a dreadful slump. And then there was one game, I think it was the last game we were there, he had like three or four hits, including a home run, and that really propelled him. So let's hope more of that happens this weekend with some of our guys. Absolutely. Cornerstone Bank is committed to providing you game-changing solutions for your financial needs. Bank on a solid foundation. Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. So full sports outlet tonight, including the head football coach, Scott Frost, for an entire hour. He'll be here from 7 to 8, taking your comments, questions, calls. So get them all lined up. We'll want a lot to talk about with the coach. When we come back, Ben's going to sit down with a pitching coach for the Big Red, Jeff Christie. Off and rolling here on a Sports Nightly Thursday night. Thanks to everybody for spending part of your evening here with us. we still got plenty of Sports Nightly coming away over the next two and a half hours, but happy to welcome on our first guest of the night, Nebraska pitching coach Jeff Christie. Coach, I know this week is always uh, a lot more different for the players, a little strange. You're dealing with finals, but at the same time, trying to prepare for a week. How, how has this week gone knowing that the differences that the challenges this prevents with the academic side? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, finals week is always one of those weeks where you know, guys' brains can be fried a little bit. But, um, you know, so far we've been able to practice in the morning yesterday, had a little bit of a scrimmage, um, and then allowed them to have the whole rest of their day to study up, get their finals taken care of. And it's been a little bit different because the finals are a little bit more um, get with your teacher and maybe somewhere online. So it's not like a strict time set here and there, but they just had to make sure that those were planned for the week. And they've been do been able to do that for – you know, more, more of the afternoon so we can get there in the morning and practice. And then obviously today we're going to go a little bit at one o'clock. And um, yeah, just, you know, it was a good competitive day yesterday from a scrimmage standpoint. That's what we wanted to do. And, you know, the whole focus this week has just been to get back to Nebraska baseball and how we've been playing, you know, that early portion of the year. Coach, when you went back and analyzed some stuff over the weekend against Rutgers, you had to have been pretty pleased with what you saw from from Cade and Chance, and I mean, even Shea to a certain degree, but when you went back and kind of analyzed it, what what was kind of your main takeaway from your guys on the mound against Rutgers last weekend? Yeah, I mean, 
from a, from a starting standpoint, I felt like we did a pretty good job. Um, Povich battled through that that Friday night where he probably didn't have his best stuff, but still gets us through five after a long third inning. And um, you know, we turned it over the bullpen, and that was the script how we kind of wanted to play. It was going to be Buns and Win for probably three there, and then turn it over to Spencer in the ninth if we got to that point. This unfortunately didn't happen. Um, and then you know, Roach I thought pitched very well. You know, it's had the sinker going and. Um, was being able to mix the right on right changeup was a big pitch for him. So from a starting standpoint, and even Shea got locked in a little bit more, just with a little bit rough start. But um, from a starting standpoint, it was good. Bullpen, um, you know, had some good moments. Just a matter of holding those games on Friday and Saturday, which we've been accustomed to this year. It's just sometimes those things happen, and we'll have to rebound. But you know, from a throwing the ball over the plate, from a you know committed pitch standpoint, I feel like we were pretty good. We just didn't execute it when we needed to. I want to single out Chance, and and we start to see see a little change in him and his effectiveness, and he just seems a lot more confident when he's out there. He, I don't know how many times he's you know we've talked with you guys after the game, you're like oh he didn't have his stuff, but he found a way to get us however many innings. He finally starting to have his stuff to go with it. What what is about Chance that maybe that, that he found that's working for him right now, and is is giving him all this confidence? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for him has been emphasizing during his bullpens is the four-pitch mix. He's been able to throw a slower breaking ball in early in account to steal some strikes and then the harder slider to go with it. But, you know, for the sinker, he, we've just been really focusing on the ball going down instead of going down and have some tail. So just getting over the top of it and making sure the ball's going down as much as possible has been really the emphasis these past few weeks. And I think it's been able to help him out a little bit on, you know, keeping the ball on the ground and, and do what he's done. But he's a guy that's been around for, you know, obviously this is his fifth year and uh, been around the block and knows how to pitch. And he just, he knows how to compete, um, which has been a big thing for him. And um, there's there's nothing you're going to throw at him that he hasn't seen. So, you know, for the situations that come about, he's just kind of very cool, calm and collected and um, been able to make some big pitches, get off the foot when you need him to. So um, I would hope and I would, I would plan on seeing that continue throughout the rest of the year. Coach, there was a lot of chatter about your bullpen last weekend and the streak and all that, and you know, your guys have been so good back there all year. We kind of kind of saw, you know, it all fall apart to everybody, not just one guy, and probably contagious mm-hmm. at some point. You've seen, you know, Bunsy be electric. Obviously, Cam Wynn has been our, our fire extinguisher, and even Schwelly got got touched up for the first time this year. How have those guys responded after you know not not, not tasting very much? failure and and have it all kind of happen that one time yeah i think you that's what they're chalking it up to it's like you know in the game of baseball not everything's gonna go perfect all the time and you know sometimes you're gonna get punched in the mouth and how you respond is everything so um they have they've had a great week of preparation so far cam went through live yesterday again and was was a lot better than what his last outing was so i would still expect him to expect to see him in those fireman roles and and still turn over the ball to buns you know, hopefully after Povich when we have the lead and, uh, you know, go from there. But, you know, Buns has been working on a little bit harder for a slider, too, to make sure that that's a little sharper, not as loopy. But, you know, the fastball attack is a big thing for him. And um, so far, so good this week on the preparation. Now it's going to come down to go and execute this week. You use the word preparation. I mean, you're, you're going after the same lineup you went after three times, twice more this weekend. What's that do in terms of your preparation and – you know what? What you how you want to execute your, piss, your pitches? I, I mean, I think pitching is probably where this is this is where it is affected the most. Their guys have seen everything that there is to see when our guys are out there. So, how are you um, going about 
putting plans together for each of their hitters that uh, that, that have seen um, one or two of our guys that they may see this weekend? Yeah, you know, when you see guys over and over again, um, it, it all comes down to the execution portion of the game. And sometimes when you're, you're seeing a guy for the first time, you can get away with some stuff. You can get away with some balls over the middle of the plate. But when guys know what the baseball's doing, uh, how the breaking ball's breaking, it can be a little bit um, to an advantage to a hitter when they know what's what's going on instead of just maybe seeing them once and, you know, here you get away with something over the plate. So, you know, when we play these guys again, execution, just being on the corners, um, locating down when we need to and up when we need to is going to be a very big part of the game. And, um, you know, we'll still attack guys very similar. It's just going to be that execution part that, that comes into play. The other thing that's different about this weekend is a fourth game. We haven't had to do this in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. How have you seen guys attack the possibility of getting some innings this weekend more than just the scrimmage that they've been normally getting and, and know that there's nine innings up for grabs right now? Yeah, it's, it's been good. You've had a lot of guys that maybe haven't had the opportunities as others, um, but there's a lot of guys that are in that bullpen and even maybe depending on how we, we, we pitch that fourth game at starting, um, We've had a lot of guys still stay focused, stay ready. That's been the, the big emphasis for those guys is to, you know, whether you're pitching on a Tuesday, Wednesday in a scrimmage or your your flat grounds, your bullpens, all of that needs to be translated into some sort of competition too. And I feel like that's been good for those guys to continue to compete on those Tuesdays and Wednesdays during live and even in their bullpen settings to make sure that they're still studying- still getting that feeling of, of competing and not just throwing because um, it's something that, that goes away a little bit if you haven't if you haven't pitched in four or five weeks and we're going to need some of those guys to do that and you know I've, I've seen a lot of good things from a lot of guys and uh, staying ready and you know hopefully when their opportunity comes about they'll, they'll still be ready. Coach you're about a uh, combined a year into this thing now maybe maybe slightly more a couple last year into this mm-hmm. year do you feel like you have found your, your groove and how you want to operate things finding your routine and your rhythm or do you feel still feel like you're tinkering with some things to find you know kind of what 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 makes it work for you and, and how you want things done yeah I feel like it's been pretty good um, most of the guys know what to expect from a throwing standpoint from a you know explaining what the roles were going to kind of be um you know but if you don't look yourself as a coach too and 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 look how you can improve then you're just kind of sitting there and 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 staying stagnant and that's not what we want to do and that's you know there's always some evaluation process not just from the players but on the coaching side of things too and i feel like you know our our goal is to get guys in the most successful positions as we possibly can and that's just an ongoing process you know from week to week really and um and it will continue to be that way so you know, other guys might get some other opportunities that might might not have been in the past, and you know you got to see what guys can do when they're throwing the fire. How about your relationship with your catchers? You've got a guy with Luke that's been around forever, and another guy with Griffin that's that's new, but you know is a guy that has caught in college before. How how has as your experience as a mm-hmm. catcher helped those guys and helped them maybe develop into you know but just better overall well-rounded catchers and how they build relationship with their pitchers. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for for us from the beginning was just to make sure that those communication lines are open with the pitchers and catchers. It's not just with me. So, you know, I encourage our guys to go talk to those pitchers on a daily basis, whether it's a flat ground, whether it's a bullpen, you know, how their stuff's feeling that day during a game. Kind of give myself feedback as well because they see it from a different perspective than I do even from the sideline now. Um, you know, just to see how, for instance, like Roach, how's his sinker moving? How's the breaking ball moving, you know? Um, can be very big, and, and Roskam and Roach have really got a 
a good relationship going. So they pretty much know what they want to throw and what we want to throw, you know, from, from pitch one. And um, that's been good to kind of watch that relationship blossom. And um, they've done a good job with each other there. And, you know, with Griffin, it's just, you know, kind of, um, it's been good to see him kind of grow in certain areas too. I think he's caught very well, um, you know, and kind of taking a little bit more charge um, from behind the plate that you didn't see necessarily in the fall. Um, and he's kind of grown up and understood the, the ins and outs of the game a little bit better too. So it's just, again, the communication lines and, you know, how we're going to attack guys and how we need to move and um, set up. So that's another big thing. It's just kind of learning everybody's, stuff and how you can attack guys a guy like Poe just can get to the corners a little bit more we need to set up a little bit different than guys that are going to attack the plate you know instead of going in and out up and down it's just here's my stuff let's go get it so um they've had to learn each other in that that regard on from the pitching staff and that's kind of where you know you come in and they ask questions like okay what's this guy got what's he doing can I set up here can I set up on you know where am I setting up on Shannon's break and all that type of stuff that's been big Another guy that is probably important in all this, and I'm asking because he uh, got in the game and produced a little this weekend. He's been around a long time. That's Gunnar Hellstrom. He catches a lot of your bullpens, and I'm sure there's a a lot of communication there. He's a guy that's caught a lot of innings, and I'm sure that probably helps. Mm -hmm. What has he meant to you and the the pitchers this year, even though he hasn't gotten as many at-bats maybe as he's hoped? Yeah, he's been big. Um, You know, it's a situation he hasn't really found himself a whole lot. Um, in throughout his whole college career, um, but he's he's been taking it very well. He's still he still talks to me on a daily basis about guys catching the pins, what they what he sees. You know, the thing with Gunner, we've always seemed to be on the same page with a lot of things, and the feedback from him is very it's very good. I mean, I could see him um, you know being a coach someday, to be honest with you. So um, it's been it's been good for him, and he's got a good rapport with the with the with the pitchers and. Um, you know, he just he just sees the game in a good good sense, and um, he helps those guys even if he's warming them up or, you know, like I said, throwing those bullpens and people like throwing to him. It's just been he's been good to have around because he's another set of eyes that can see things from from the kind of the same lens that I do. Coach, before we cut you loose, there's one more guy we need to ask you about, and it used to be that elbow injuries were career enders. Now now we're seeing one mm-hmm. in one situation that. Less than a year is what it could take for a guy like Kyle Perry to get back on the mound. How has Kyle progressed? How is he doing mentally? And, and what's kind of your short-term plan with him um, being just fresh off that, that elbow issue and you know trying to get himself back into compete mode? Yeah, from a, from a mental standpoint, I think Perry is in a great place. You know, he's, he's been off the mound multiple times now. He threw live yesterday for the first time. Uh, had a good outing for his inning, uh, you know. And the whole plan, once he ended up having his surgery, was to see if he could get back toward the end of the year um, for us. And I, I, I don't think anybody saw it maybe being this quickly, but he's progressed very nicely. And and we're not going to be in a rush to put him into a ton of situations just yet. If he's available, which he might be this weekend, going to see how he bounces back from his live outing. Uh, we still need to make sure that those those spots are the right spots to put him in. And if he does pitch, he's going to be a one-inning guy. It's not like he's going to be a guy that's extended very very much at this point in time. I wouldn't expect that to be extended throughout the rest of the year. He's going to be a one-inning guy if and when he gets in there. But from a stuff standpoint, I liked what I saw mentally. I think he's there. And from a competitive side, I don't think that's ever left him. You know, just from him, he's always been competitive even when he's 
in the dugout and he's one of those guys that stays locked in throughout the whole game and um, the competitive juices is where he thrives and I don't think that's ever going to be a problem for him. Appreciate it. Jeff Christie, Nebraska pitching coach with us here on Sports Nightly. Joins us on our Woodhouse Auto Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Yeah, and again off the right side, he's got a hole, 15, yeah, to the 10, to the 5, steps inside, touchdown, Jock Yant from 21 yards out. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Snap back, hand off, Harris has a first down, breaks through, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Isaiah Harris finds the end zone, and the White has the lead after that 29-yard dash by the Millard South product. With the head coach, Scott Frost. Snap back, Heinrich holding, holding, Throw looking, it. throws it toward the end. Oh, so yes. He's got a man out there. Touchdown. Wyatt Lewer makes a catch. Touchdown. <laughs> Wyatt Lewer gets back-to-back catches, and that ties the game at 20. <laughs> Proudly brought to you by Channel. Channel Seedsman plays products to perform across Nebraska. Get expert advice that yields results at channel.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Here we are with our post-spring chat with the head football coach. The next hour we'll be talking Husker football as they've wrapped up the 15 spring practices with number 15 being that spring game last Saturday at Memorial Stadium. If you want to be a part of the program tonight, 531-500-4686. You can call or text. If you call, you're doing so on our Sports Highly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. And we now welcome on board the program the head football coach of the Cornhusker, Scott Frost. Good evening, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Um, that was fun Saturday. Right, well, let's just start with what, you know, you, your, your responsibilities are a lot different in a spring game than a regular game. Were you able to kind of stop and smell the roses a little bit, per se, and kind of look around and, and take that, that scene in with having fans back in there? <clears throat> yeah, I was. You know, I, I was able to kind of observe and watch and, and see the fans. It's great to have everybody back. We've missed them, uh, I think, more than they've missed us. Uh, we we talked about what format to use for a spring game, and um, man, it's so important to us not to get anybody hurt after the great spring we had. So we went the first half non-contact, and and I was really impressed with the second half with some of the young guys coming in and blocking and tackling well. So overall, you know, I think it went well, and most important things we got out of it healthy. It's what we see. So some a lot of the questions tonight are probably going to be geared toward that. But you see all the other 14 practices. You, the coaches, the players see that. Uh, and you've said several times, and you kind of even alluded to it there in your last answer, that you, you liked what you saw from this group over the last five weeks. Just kind of take us through what, what you thought of the 15 total practices that you got in. Well, we made a decision, first of all, to work them really hard. Uh, we didn't get spring ball last year. We didn't get summer with them. We didn't get a fall camp with as many contact, contact days as normal. And we got a lot of young players that need that experience. And they could have benefited from it last year, but we certainly uh, wanted to get them that experience and, and refine them. Um, so we felt like we were making up for lost time a little. And, and we worked them hard, and we had a physical spring. So I, I was able to see that happen for 14 practices before the spring game. Um, we've improved in a lot of areas. Um, 
you know, we're by no means all the way there yet and, and have work to do. But I, I think probably the biggest area I saw improvement was just the uh, physicality, particularly up front on both sides of the football, the way they were finishing and uh, coming off the ball on offense and, and fighting and getting to the ball on defense. Um, certainly other areas have improved a bunch, but uh, I think we made big strides up front on both sides. Hopping back even a few months before that, Coach, did you feel like they made gains in the winter during the conditioning part, and, and did they hold those gains as you made your way through those practice sessions? Yeah, you could see the the gains that we made in winter during spring practice. Um, we were finally to the point. I think we would have been to the point last year where we could have done it, but with COVID, it disrupted everything. Um, this year, we finally felt like we were at the point we could have an off-season program that is certainly modern, but a lot more similar to how Nebraska used to do it. And and that was to test them at the beginning of winter conditioning and then really focus on strength and power and speed uh, to test well at the end of winter conditioning. You could see the the engines that the guys had built and, and how much quicker they were moving and how much better they looked. Uh, summer is going to be all about you know, maintaining that while getting them in shape and, and getting them maybe a touch faster and, and ready to run the, the lengths that they have to run. But um, Zach and his team did a great job over winter, and, and you could see those results in the spring spring practice. Are you are you satisfied with the speed of your team right now? Do you, do you have enough speed, do you feel like? <laughs> well, you're never satisfied. Yeah. Um, but I think we're faster than we've ever been, at least since, definitely since I've been here. Um, we have better athletes in almost every position. I think they're in, uh, they've trained to, to become better athletes. Um, and I, you know, I don't think, I don't think we have a bunch of holes on the roster. Like I felt we've had in the past. Um, and, and that has to do one with the recruiting and the, and the talent that we have in the program, but also the work they put in and, and the job of the strength and conditioning staff. You you had the same assistant coaches from the end of the season when you beat Rutgers through the spring. You maybe tweaked some responsibilities, namely special teams with Mike Dawson kind of taking the lead on that. How did that part go during spring practice for you? It went well, and, and mostly because of the buy-in of the players and the emphasis that, that they put on it. Uh, we had a long team meeting before spring started and, and talked about the things that help you win football games or lose your football games. And I've said it a bunch, but Coach Osborne said almost the same thing to us before every football game. He said the most physical team is going to win, the team that wins the turnover battle is going to win, and the team that plays better on special teams is going to win. Um, we won a game at the end of last year with minus three in, in special teams. We gave up a fake punt and a kick return touchdown. Um you know, you, you just don't usually win win those types of games. And uh, the statistics bear that out. I shared the statistics with guys, and, and we really talked about our emphasis being uh, on special teams first and foremost, on uh, being more physical and on taking care of the ball on offense and getting it back on defense. And special teams is the area, just the attention to detail, the enthusiasm to do those drills and, and the competition to get on those teams. Um, right away is going to make us better on those units. 
531-500-4686, a number if you want to be a part of the program with either a call or a text. We have time to tell you that Dorothy Lynch, home style and light and lean dressing, endless flavorabilities. On our text line, Coach Wyatt in Alma uh, says, Jock Yant looks like the type of back who could get 20 carries a game. What is something he needs to improve on to get those carries? Yeah, you know, we're we're excited about Jock. He has a ton of talent. Um, I think his knowledge is catching up with his talent. I think the biggest thing he needs to prove on is is making sure he knows the schemes and, and does the right thing on every single play. And um, when he does that, he is as talented as anybody we have. Uh, I was really pleased with the way the, the running backs ran, particularly in the live portion of the, of the spring game. I thought those guys ran hard and got all the yards that were there, and in a couple cases more. Um, you know, Jock came in a little overweight and he's lost and gotten down. He can really run. Um, so the big thing for, for a lot of those young backs, including Jock is just making sure that they're really comfortable, really familiar, and we can rely on them to do the right things, uh, play in and play out. You have, you certainly have options in that room. You've not had that kind of options for different kind of styles of back since you've been here. You you have to like at least what's, what's in that room. Now, they've got to go prove it on a game day, but you have to like what you've assembled in that room. Absolutely. You know, year one, uh, Divine kind of came to the top of the pack, and, and he really had a good year for us and was reliable and quality uh, to superior Big Ten back, in my opinion. Um since then, we just haven't had anybody that we can we can count on playing and play out completely. Um, this year, it, it's still going to be interesting. A lot of those guys, I think, have the capability of becoming that back, including uh, a transfer that we didn't get to see a lot of in spring because of an injury. Um, but we, we need two or three guys to come out of that pack and, and be guys that uh, can carry it 20 or 25 times. And uh, we'll continue that competition through fall camp. Very good. All right, let's head to our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline. We are going to go to Montana and Paul. Good evening, Paul. You're up with the head coach. Hey, coach. Big fan, man. Go Big Red. Hey, uh, I grew up in Columbus, but I live up here in Montana now. What do you think of uh, the Montana wide receiver that transferred down? Where are you at in Montana? Billings. Okay. Um Samari has been great. Um, you know, we, the transfer portal has become a big deal in football. I think it's going to continue to be. Um, un, un, it, it doesn't make life easy on a coach because you can never be sure who you're going to lose, how many spots you're going to have, who you can get. Um, but uh, I'll tell you this, having him, he from the day he came in, uh, he acted like a pro. He acted like a veteran. Uh, he, it's amazing how quick he learns uh, plays and scheme. Uh, he just has a natural feel for how to play football, where to go to get open. Uh, and, and really in the slot, he provides us a, a downfield threat and a, a bigger bodied guy with a, a catch radius and feel for the game that uh, we really haven't had in the slot since I've been here. So I think he makes us better immediately. Um, the ball is going to find him. It naturally finds that slot receiver in our offense if we have the right guy there. And uh, I think he's the right guy. Paul, appreciate the call, and uh, glad to have a, a Husker fan living up there in Montana. I asked you about the running back room. Well, let's just transition to the wide receiver room. What did you see from that group as you made your way through spring? Yeah, I, you know, that's a spot that's that's been a little bit of Achilles' heel for us, just getting 
uh, that group to a point that we have playmakers out there that, and, and guys that are in the right spots all the time and doing the right things and, and frankly can win against Big Ten coverage. Um, I'm always careful to, to throw out compliments, but I, I think that group is, is about there. Um, but the, the, it's the best it's been. Um, talent and depth-wise, uh, it's great to have the guys back that played a lot last year. Uh, you know, Oliver Martin played a lot. He had a great spring. Uh, Levi Falk played a bunch for us last year. Uh, he had a really good spring. Uh, Wyatt Lever from O'Neill, Nebraska, has continued to improve and impress everybody. Uh, made the play at the end of the spring game. Um, Xavier Betts continues to come along, and, and he's just a naturally talented guy. Uh, Alante Brown uh, practiced a couple times and had an injury, unfortunately, and missed the rest of spring, but we can't wait to get him back. Um, you know, what – we feel good about our receiver room with 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 those guys. Uh, when you add, you know, guys like Omar, um, uh, Jamie Nance, uh, Peanut, uh, we, we feel like we have more depth and, and guys can go to game than we've ever had. And and those guys are just more familiar with the scheme and, and better athletes as a whole than what we've had. So we're going to continue working with them. But I think we're pointed in the right direction in that position and. I know Adrian feels a lot better about that group, so that makes me feel better. You know, that that group certainly did make big strides for you in the spring. You're going to add some high school players to that room in June. Can you envision one or more of those guys getting in the mix, or, or are they going to be too far behind because they weren't here for spring? No, I think they have a chance. I, one I left yeah. out is Will Nixon. Will Nixon, too, had yeah. a really good spring for us. I, I just don't want to leave out any names, but – uh, we're excited about the guys we have. Um, I think we did a, a really good job of Lubick, Coach Lubick did a really good job of recruiting in this last class, and um, we got three guys coming in that are are big and fast and know how to play football. So uh, we'll see how fast they can pick it up and get in the mix and compete. But uh, I'm excited about those guys, and and I think, like I said before. Um, as much of an Achilles heel as that position has been for us, I, I think we're getting to a point where we have it where we need it to be. Back to our text line, Coach. I'm hearing that the NCAA wants to reduce padded practices and eliminate some contact drills. What are your thoughts on that? Well, safety of our players has got to be the, the primary concern and, and everybody's priority. Um you know, that being said, I, I I hate to think we're following the NFL at every step. You know, I played college football and was lucky enough to hang on in the NFL for a while. And um, when you're up at the NFL level, a lot of those guys don't, don't need practice, as much practice blocking and tackling and, and hitting. Um, college is kind of where you learn it. And learning it helps you be better. It also helps you be safer. Uh, so I, I hope we're able to find a happy medium and, and not reduce them so much that we're not getting guys ready for, for games and, and ready for contact. Um, flip side of that is we certainly want to uh, reduce injuries and, and help uh, the entire team stay healthy through camp. But um hope, hope we can find a place where we can land where we still feel like we can get guys educated and taught how to do things the right way uh, without grinding on too much. 
Very good. Download the NEX app today to complete your shopping experience at the Midwest number one shopping destination, Nebraska Crossing, the official shopping center of Husker Nation. Need to sneak a break in? 531-500-4686. The number to dot us up with a comment or question or text. We have more with the coach coming up. Wow, what an hour. Great to have the head football coach with us to wrap up spring practice. Hope you enjoyed the last 60 minutes. A lot in there, Ben. We covered, we covered a lot of ground with him over the last hour. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I know everybody's probably curious how everything shaped out after the spring game and kind of what well, where they're at heading into the offseason. But, yeah, I mean, you get a full hour with the, with the head coach. It's typically a lot to go over. Kind of a tradition for us to throw him in there at the uh, you know after a spring practice because you know you, you get a little bit of press conference work with him, but there was a good chance because now the fans have seen the team either they were there, listened to us, watched it on TV, whatever the case may be. They now have names to put with faces, and you know they can they know what Jock Yant looks like now that they've been able to see him and ask a question about that. So hope you enjoyed the last hour. In fact, we're going to replay that hour tomorrow night at seven. Uh, so if you missed it or buddies missed it and you want to hear it again, we'll have it for you tomorrow night here on the program. All right, coming up this hour, we'll have our face-off. I'm on to challenge Austin. See what he's got here this week. Uh, I'm assuming Ben and Josh have the questions. This makes me a little nervous, but uh, we'll get into that here in a few minutes. And then we'll see what's on everybody's screens at the end of the hour with our flicks picks. So let's do it with a face-off. It's time for face-off. Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Ben McLaughlin. That's right. I'm back as host, and it feels All so right. much better. It feels so much <laughs> no, better than being No pressure. I had eight. Does Greg have the trophy? He doesn't. It's no, sitting behind no. me. I have it. I grabbed it. I'm trying to reverse the jinx. <laughs> no, I, I offered to drop it off at Greg's place. Uh, I haven't done so because I want to look at it. It's my goal. It's what I'm shooting for. Eyes on the prize, as they say, right? I was busy uh, getting my second vaccination shot today, so if I start speaking Chinese or something like that here at any point, <laughs> time you'll know we'll applaud you that's impressively out completely out of it yeah all right fair enough setting austin the, what's your excuse <laughs> um my excuse i was up at 5 30 this morning getting my wife to work all right what you also haven't played in a while so you might be rusty that's could be a an excuse as well but anyway you guys actually faced off last fall i don't have the exact dates up here but austin was the one that advanced in that matchup and had the opportunity then to go f- take on Ben for the title, and Ben ended up winning that one. But Greg and Austin have faced off before, and it was Austin coming away with a, a tight victory. So we'll see what happens this time around. Are you guys ready to play? Let's do Let's, it. Yeah. All right. I have the first question. Just giving you a warning. There is a question buried in here a little bit later on that might trip you up. I'll just I'll I'll tell you that. All right. We'll jump in here though. This first one. Speaking of the head coach of Nebraska football and talking mostly about the spring game. Marvin Scott led all players in rushing yards with 75 in Saturday's spring game. Name the four most recent rushing leaders in Husker football spring games. Greg. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> Divine Azigbo. Show me Divine Azigbo. <laughs> Not one of them. Austin. Um. Maurice Washington. Show me at Maurice Washington. 
All right, I have faith in you guys. I'll, you guys can do this. Uh, I'll go Diedrich Mills. Diedrich Mills. <laughs> it doesn't have to be... Oh, this is a clue, but this doesn't have to be a running back. Adrian Martinez. Show me Adrian Martinez. You're playing, Austin. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let me think here. So... Looking for the la- the three before Adrian, then? Um, maybe, or maybe there was one after him. Ah, come on, you maybe. can't get any more clues. He's already giving you enough clues. <laughs> How about Greg Bell? <laughs> Show me Greg Bell. Man, that's a name I haven't thought I of know. in a while. I was going to say that. Was, I might give you a half a point for this. <laughs> Pulling that up. one out. Yeah, that's impressive. So we're looking for 2019, 18, 17, and 16. Adrian Martinez led in 2018 with 60 yards. Okay. So Greg Bell is an incorrect answer. What about Jalen Bradley? Show me Jalen Bradley. Great pulling. That was was an unbelievable pull. That was in 2019. So that's the most recent spring game we'd have before this year. He had 57 yards rushing in 2019. So I'm going for 17 and 18 yet? Yeah. Uh, 16 and 17 is what you need. Yeah, 16 and 17. All right. Let's see. 2016-2017. So you have all the two that were in Scott Frost's tenure. So What about Trey Bryant? Show me Trey Bryant. Good guess, though. Yeah. Man, we're playing like running back bingo right now. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is. I, Some of these names could win you a cold beverage somewhere. Yep. Like Buffalo Wild Wings, maybe? Sure. Maybe. Like tailgate, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Both acceptable answers. <laughs> All right, you're down to t- you have two strikes and you have two correct answers, two answers hmm. left. So you have two deuces wild right here, Austin. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one more clue. This doesn't really help much, but Marvin Scott had 75. The two that you've given have been less than that. The two answers you have left, one of those players had less than 75 and one of them had more than 75. Hmm. One of them had an absolutely unbelievable rushing performance. Went over 100. Is that so? Yes. Numbers back it up. Okay. <laughs> numbers never lie. Um, At least the numbers that were recorded about, that day. <laughs> right. about Wyatt Mazur? Show me Wyatt Mazur. Dang it. Good grief. Pride of I was hoping you weren't going to get that one. Dang it. That was my one guess. <laughs> that He's killing it. I know. This is impressive. Gah. All right, Greg, you have time to recover, though, because Austin still has to think of uh, another one. Can I, can I At, ask if that was 16 or 17? That was in 2017. He had 57 okay. yards. Wyatt, Missouri. Gah. That's the one <laughs> that I kind of knew. Yeah. Okay. So 2016. I'll give you a clue. This is a name that you have heard of before. Terrell Newby. Show me Terrell Newby for the category. Man, good guesses. Yeah, that Holy Austin, cow, you had good that, guesses. Th- this is arguably the best performance on a question yes. ever, even no. though you didn't yes. finish it. I know. <laughs> I know it. So, I mean, 
<laughs> Jalen Bradley's name, you throwing that out I, there, Trey Bryant. Bell. Good guesses, yeah. Yeah, I was I was hoping you guys would get at least two answers right, and Austin got three of them. So, oh my god, That's impressive. I, Wyatt's the only thing I had written down, so I'm a little bit of a loss here. That's all right. You um, throughout a Husker football player that has played for the Huskers. In the last, four I, I, years, I'm going to go another quarter. I'm going to go another quarterback. Give me Tristan Jebbia. Show me Tristan Jebbia for the steal. Right direction, Greg. You're so close. It was actually Tommy Armstrong <sighs> had 120 mm. yards in 2016. Right. Wow. And if you'll remember, that was the weird offense versus defense yeah. spring game, and so it was a little bit different. But I did think well, about saying like Tommy, but I tended towards running backs. Right, and that seems huh. like that was so far back too. Yeah, it does. It wasn't. Yeah. Well, that would have been. Said, his... I'm going. I'm going quarterback. I thought you were going to get it. I know. I did too. I was like, whoa, what a pull that was going to be. But. Yeah, and Tommy Armstrong, like the fact that was his senior year, right, going into 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he still led the way with, in rushing yards. So crazy. All right, Austin up one zero. Okay, they're gonna hate us after yeah, this. This, week, is, this first week. Don't, of I questions, gave permission. By the way. Ben came up with this, asked me if this was a good idea or not, and I said yes. Do it. Well, it's still it's still within the parameters. It's just it's just a different <laughs> direction. Okay, guys, there's only one answer to this. So. Whoever gets it right, whoever buzzes in and gets it right, what? otherwise we're, we're going back and forth. What? We're going to go back and forth until somebody gets it. I think it. we're going to go back and forth, so it's fair. All right. Who is Austin, the what are only they doing to us here? <laughs> who is the only player inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame as a Los Angeles Angel? <laughs> this is so mean, but <laughs> Somebody buzz in. Start guessing. Austin. <laughs> Austin. K-Rod. No, Francisco Rodriguez. Oh. Greg's turn. Good gosh. You'll get it eventually. You you both know who this player is. <laughs> as an angel. Yeah, only as an angel. Uh, not to say they only played as an angel, but that's who they were. Right, 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 in right. As. That's that's who they went in as. They did not play as just an angel. Uh, correct. I think Rod Carew finished his career in Anaheim. Give me Rod Carew. How about Rod Carew? That was my first guess. Was it? Yeah, that was my first yeah, guess. He I thought he, he was on there, but turns out he, he went in not as, a as twin. an angel. Yeah, but didn't he finish his career? He did. With them? Yeah, he played a yeah. lot of. Yeah, he and he's, mm-hmm. he lives in L.A. Goes to Angels games and yeah. He's yeah. They, I, honestly, I feel like his career was split pretty much fifty-fifty between. Yeah. Those two teams. Dang it! Is this a right. Los Angeles Angel or the California Angels? It all count? counts. That okay. That the franchise, okay. right? Yep. Okay. Or Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. And just going back quickly, he actually played. Uh, his first 11 seasons with Minnesota, and then his last seven or eight, it looks like. This is Carew. Yeah, Rod Carew. Eight seasons, actually. So he played eight seasons with the Angels, but he had 12 with the Twins, so that's who he went in with. All right, Reggie Jackson was incorrect. You guys have said K-Rod, Rod Rod Carew. How many many guesses has has everybody had? I've had two. Greg's had one. Okay, after you each guess three times, I'll start giving hints after each round. (laughs) Okay. Um... Nolan Ryan pitched for the Angels. Give me Nolan Ryan. How about yeah. Nolan Ryan? Yeah. Nope. 
also was, a guy I thought was on this list. That was yeah. my second guess. Yeah, after Rod Carew. <laughs> ah, I'm so, right there with you, Josh. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were thinking right along the same lines. I would guess that he went in as a Ranger, but yeah, he yeah, also pitched so. for the Mets, Houston. And, yeah, in yeah, Houston. Okay, Austin. That's me. That is you. Um, I know I'm not the answer to this question, but I do know that Austin is my name. It is. I'm just batting one for. I three mean, you now. could guess yourself technically, but I wouldn't advise it. I'm not at that point yet. Give me a few guesses, and we'll see. <laughs> Uh, let me think here. There are so many different Angels players that are popping into my head right now. Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, How about Vladdy? <laughs> How about Vladdy? Yes! Oh, Bingo! Yeah. That was my next guess. Oh, man. <laughs> I just came you up got with it before you said that. Yep. So Austin makes face-off history and gets the <laughs> wow. first and probably last only and- one answer question. Greg, I'll give you that, that you had two really, really good guesses. And Both of Greg's guesses are also guesses that I that exactly. I had before I looked Same. it up. Yep. I The only other person I could think of who spent a lot of time in an Angels uniform, well, two. Was Darren Erstad, Darren right? Erstad, and then Garrett Anderson, or, or Tim Salmon. Tim like, Salmon. Those are some yep. guys that I thought of, and I, yeah. That's, that's a really e- good question. David Eckstein? There you go. I don't think he's in the, in the <laughs> Hall of Fame, but... All right, we're going to stick with baseball, if you guys have recovered from that question. Uh, for question number three, but we're going to switch to the Huskers. Spencer Schwellenbach has been dominant as Nebraska baseball's closer this season with five saves so far. Who are the five Huskers with the most saves in a single season all time for the Huskers? Greg. Greg in first. Brett Jensen. Show me Brett Jensen. He is number one. He had yep. 16 in 2005. All right, I'll play. Okay. Give me Josh Rader. Josh Rader. Is he on the board? Sure is. He is number two. He had 15, so right wow. behind Jensen. He had, did that in 2015. And how many more do I have to get? You have three, three more. more. Three. Yeah, three more. And I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of a hint. There's actually six players. There are three three guys that were tied uh, for, for third. Or, and, or four of them tied for third, and one of them is Brett Jensen. So you don't have to get him again. But okay. you have three left, though. All three of these guys are tied for third place on the list. How about Dylan Vogt? Show me Dylan Vogt. That's a great guess, but incorrect. So you've gotten Brett Jensen and Josh Rader correct. Dylan Vote incorrect. One strike, three to go. Mike Nesseth. Show me Mike Nesseth. Another good guess. Yeah, that's really good. Going back a little ways. <sighs> Trying to go back year by year and see who the, yeah. remember who the closers were right. for some of those teams. Exactly. Nesseth was one of those guys that they bounced around from starter to closer right. to closer to starter. So uh, another guy kind of along that lines, um, Colton Howell. All right, Colton Howell is he on the board? Oh. Not. All right, Austin, you have a chance to take a three-zero lead, and you have three options to go with here. That I do. And conveniently enough, I have three names written down. Wow. Wow. Um, Jeez. <laughs> now, now just, or, or is that a good thing? I don't know. <laughs> that might be bad. I don't. Just saying I have three names written down doesn't mean I have the names of three guys who are close if you have, necessarily. If you have all three that are left, I'll be impressed. 
Um, but you only have to get one, and it has to be right for <laughs> you to, get to steal. Prepare to be not impressed, but how about how about Tony Watson? Show me Tony Watson for the steal. Oh. No. T- tell me your other two that you had written down. I had Dan Jennings and Aaron Bummer. All right, neither of those guys yeah. were on all starters. Yeah, so at Nebraska. Colby Gomez is the oh, wow. Is, he had 13. Jake Hohensey okay. had 13, and God. and Chad Lindsman had 13. So Lindsman was in Man. 2016, Hohensey in 2018, and Gomez in 2019. I'm embarrassed. I should have got Colby just was two years ago. That's all right. <laughs> I forgot Chad <laughs> Lindsman's name. Honestly, did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. You can I, you can pull out Greg Bell, but you can't remember Chad Lindsman. It's yeah. true. <laughs> I forgot about Jake Hohensey being a closer coming in. Well, the, Gomez oh, and Lindsman, I would have uh, thought of maybe, but. Hmm. Ben, I was trying to think of all those pitchers we've talked about. They've tried to convert from closer to starter. Yeah. And most of the time, it's a disaster. So I was kind of going through those in my mind. Well, yeah, and 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 two. Well, three. I guess technically three of them: Gomez, Hoenzi, and Lindsman. Yep. That yep. We're all transition guys. Correct. All right. Okay. Back in it, Greg. Two one. All right. Question four. Since 2016. The Chicago Bears have had seven starting quarterbacks. Name five. Austin. <laughs> Mitchell right. Trubisky. Show me Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, this, of course, on. piggybacking off Justin Fields expected to be the starter this year for the Chicago Bears. Second time the Bears have been brought up on Sports Nightly tonight. <laughs> Austin go. playing or passing? Um, flip a coin. Looks like it's ending up on play. All right. Okay. How about Nick Foles? Show me Nick Foles. Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. That is the one. Mike Glennon. (laughs) Mike Glennon. (laughs) That's a great poll. That's right. Him and his giraffe neck. (laughs) (laughs) You said dating back to 2016? Yep. You need two more. How about Jay Cutler? Smoking Jay Cutler. <laughs> Don't care. Smoking Jay. <laughs> one to go. Austin, you only need one more. Wow. I will say these are the three most obscure, though. I was going to say, I, would, I maybe would have thought of one of these, but the other two, no chance. Zero chance I would have gotten the other two. Uh, okay, let's see here. And that's why it's five of seven. Yes, I'm that's, and that's why I extended it this long, because if you can pull one of these names out, that's why we do this segment. Yep. Craig, don't you be phoning Nick. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No kidding. The Arlington Heights Bears. Right. <laughs> okay. I've seen North Bears. Honestly, this is a team that I just don't pay a lot of attention what about, to. What about so. Chase Daniel? Show me Chase Daniel. <laughs> my goodness. God, I just oh wrote that down, God. too. Was Luke McGowan one of them? No, Josh McCown. He was a little bit oh, before Josh that. Josh McCown. Yeah, there's okay. a Luke, Luke McCown. Too, I just wrote Chase Daniel down too. Dang, Austin, good work, <laughs> man. Yeah. Where are the other two? Matt Barkley <laughs> and Brian Hoyer. Ah, okay. Brian Hoyer, Hoyer is the one that I would have maybe gotten if I'd gotten long enough of a chance to think about it. But all right, so Austin on top, three to one. You need this one to stay alive, Greg. Question number five. With John Means' no-hitter yesterday, that broke a stretch of 30 years since the Orioles' last no-no. And 
52 years since their last individual no-hitter. So we're going to ask you, name the five MLB teams currently that have the longest stretch since their last no-hitter. And it works for both both individual and combined. It's the same thing. Austin. Austin in first. About the Royals. Show me the Royals. They uh, have gone 30 years. Brett Saberhagen in 1991 is their last no-hitter. All right, I'll play it. Okay. I'm looking for three. Four more. Four more. Yep. Okay. All right. Four more. Uh, How about... Lane Grindle's Brewers. <laughs> Show me the brew crew. That goes awesome. even... Austin's on steroids. Tonight. I know. I, I, you this, this, this is, is unbelievable. Okay, this is funny. Before we went on this segment, Austin was kind of showing me his setup and like telling me, you know, like I'm not cheating all this. And I was like, yeah, you tested negative for performance enhancers. And he's like, yeah, unless you count water as that. And so we were joking about performance Jeez. enhancers, but I think we need to have him test it again. This <laughs> is impressive. Maybe there's something in the water that he's drinking. That's true. I don't. Does I he don't, have an earpiece of any kind? Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm looking at him, so I. I feel like I would be catching anything nefarious that's going on or shady, but, <laughs> but, so yeah, you've gotten the Royals and the Brewers. It was Juan Nieves in 1987, so that one was even even a little further back. I'll stick in the Central. How about the Pirates? Show me the Pittsburgh Pirates. Go Pirates! <laughs> hmm. Pirates are incorrect. Go Pirates! (laughs) (laughs) I knew I had that somewhere. (laughs) That's been on that button bar for what, Josh? Eight years, maybe? Yeah, that was a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Glad it finally worked out to use it. I know. I... It wasn't where I thought it was, so it took me a little <laughs> extra time to find it. But it's a good question, too, by the way. Thank yeah. you. All right. Well, we've already been talking about this team tonight. How about the Angels? Show me the Angels. No, they are not on the list. So now you're down to just well, one, one strike, strike remaining. Three remaining. And yeah, three left. You've guessed the Brewers. That was right. The Royals was right. You've guessed the Pirates and the Angels. Both of those wrong three left on the board. Again, we're looking for the five MLB teams that currently have the longest stretch since their last no-hitter. And again, it works for both individual and combined. By the way, cool note on the Angels' last no-hitter. It was the game that they all wore 45 mm-hmm. on Tyler Skaggs' jersey. Yeah. A oh, that's right. Combined no-hitter. I forgot about that. that okay. Yep. Okay. Let's see here. And just a note, so you guessed the Royals, which was 91, the Brewers, 87. Those are kind of in the middle. So you have one in between those two. You have one before and one after. So you're kind of all over the board. Wunderbar. What you have left. The good news is there are a lot of Major League Baseball teams that you can guess. So I believe 26 baseball teams on the board. Yes. It is current franchises, so... yeah. 
That is correct. So the expos are out. <laughs> right. As are the senators. Yep. Senators. Pilots. <laughs> yep. Um, how about the Braves? Show me the Braves. Oh, this so is that's ridiculous. So that's actually the most recent one or the shortest that's on this list. So that was in 1994 is their most recent. It was Kent Merker. If you had, of if all you, people. If, I was going to say, if you had told me that he was the one that uh, was the one that did it, then I would have been like, okay, Austin, you get the game. <laughs> you get the trophy. You can just take it. <laughs> uh, all righty. In fact, the only, honestly, the only one on this list that I would have gotten of the, the player that did it or the pitcher that did it is Brett Saberhagen. He's the only one that, I'm not that I've heard of, but the one that I could have pulled out and said he's the guy that was the most recent to throw a no-no. How about I say the Dodgers? Show me the Dodgers. Oh. Incorrect. All right, Greg, you need this to stay alive. Here's yep. a little no recap. Pressure. Here's the ones that Austin has gotten right. He said the Royals, the Brewers, and the Braves. Those are all right. He guessed the Pirates, Angels, and Dodgers. All those were wrong. So you have right, 24 get, guesses or 24 yeah, teams you can I have pull two from. written down. Okay. I'm going to go with the Colorado Rockies. All right. The Colorado Rockies for the steal. Incorrect. I don't remember what their last one was. Didn't Baldo Jimenez get one for them? Maybe. Kind of where my head was at with them. So, I, had the um, I had the Twins down as my other one. The Twins had Francisco Liriano do it at about 10 years ago. But the, right. the two other ones on, on the list are the Blue Jays. Dave Steeb did it in 1990. And then the Indians are the furthest back. They have the longest stretch now. Len Barker in 1981. Wow. So, hmm. been even longer I didn't think them. the Jays because I thought Halliday got one at one point. Yeah, that was my first thought. And the Indians have had, had like Cliff Lee. They've yeah, had some really Lee, good Kluber. Bartolo uh, Cologne. CC Sabathia, <laughs> Sabathia pitched for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, wow. Austin, you Austin's take uh, round cheap. one. What a machine. You earned that one. Yeah. Pulled awesome. Wyatt Mazur, pulled <laughs> Chase Daniel. Say, the way oh, that you took <laughs> took a hold of this one early on, you you, you deserve that one. But. We think we call that setting the tone in the business. Hope it carries over. Yeah. yeah. There you go. We'll, we'll come back next week and see what happens. Whew. You're still alive, Greg. Impressive. Man. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm gonna make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! <laughs> All right, what have been on the screens of the group? Ben? So we finished the, the show, The One. That was... Um, I think I talked about that like six straight weeks on this segment. <laughs> you did. Uh, so we started this show, uh, this documentary on Netflix. I'm sure you've heard of it called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And super intriguing story. It's four episodes long, about an hour each episode. I think we're only midway through the second episode. The storyline is super interesting. Don't get me wrong. Like it is, it, is, it sucks you in and it's... Um, you know, you're, you're super compelled by the storyline. Not overly well done, though. I feel mm. like it's a little disorganized. The interviews huh. can get long and a little boring, but the subject matter is enough to keep you interested. 
and I'll be interested to find out how this thing ends. But we're about halfway through it, and I think it's probably worth checking out. It hasn't gotten great reviews, I think, probably because of what I'm saying, just the structure of it and the interviews aren't great. But yeah. um, I do think that it's it's. I, I will do more digging on the Cecil Hotel beyond this, uh, just because I, I I never knew what it was, and I'm super interested in it right now. Cool. Very good. Uh, I have a couple. Uh, one is one that I've talked about before in Practical Jokers, but it's interesting. They started releasing new episodes for a season, and it, it's kind of fun because they've done it in a, a where they're taping in a COVID world. So a lot of the things they're doing are you know done over Zoom and things like that, or you know in in places where you know with masks and and those sort of things. So that that's been interesting. And one other thing that we've started watching or have been watching for a while, kind of sporadically, is a Netflix documentary like you've been in it's called babies so it's just about like the development of babies so obviously having a son who's now a little over a year old it's kind of fun uh, hearing what different scientists say about the different developmental stages of of babies so been watching that too cool Austin yep still going through criminal minds guys grocery games or something lighter but the stranger things Twitter account released to the more of a visual trailer today that got me all excited for that again so I am uh, definitely going to be rewatching stranger things in the weeks to come who knows when that season four is or season three season four whatever I forget exactly but whatever the next season of stranger things is very high in my list so I'm gonna watch what's already out in preparation very good we have a flicks picks from uh, Scott Frost he is a huge fan of Ted Lasso, which I still haven't seen. Okay. Ben, have you seen it? I haven't. It's on my it's on my short list to get to, and I've heard just hilarious things about it. So definitely something co- I will check out eventually. Just haven't got there yet. During one of the breaks, the coach and I were talking about shows, and he said, Greg, it's the best thing he's seen in years. It's that good. So there you All go. Right. It's about the American football coach who goes to Europe and takes over a soccer team. He doesn't know anything about soccer. And Jason Sudeikis plays the lead. It's on Apple TV. So there you go. That's a a report from the head football coach. My wife and I are big This Is Us fans. It's been on hiatus for three weeks. Can't wait. The next new episode drops on Tuesday. We're looking forward to getting back into that. That'll put a wrap on tonight's show. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of this one tomorrow night. Nick Hanley will join us to preview the weekend baseball series from Piscataway. We'll have our weekend preview, weekend review, all those good, good things tomorrow night here on the show. Thanks to Ben, Josh, Austin, and all of you. Have yourself a great night. Good night.